0: Hello lifers, welcome to the podcast. My name is Jesse, the African son. And hoops, uh, it's that time of there to get into deeper personal conversations. I am with Ephraim Ramwenge. Mm-hmm. He's my co-host. Ephraim, how are you doing?
1: I'm blessed and highly favored. That's great. Now,
0: you? I. what should I say? I think I'm both excited mm-hmm. about the year and the possibilities of this year, 2024, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't know, for some reason, I've just gotten so tired so early in the year. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to rest literally every day. Mm-hmm. And that is challenging me.
1: But interesting thing. I remember, do you remember during during December, towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. I talked about how t- 2024 is going to be that year. Do mm-hmm. you remember? You did, yes. I said, it's going to be you know you can see it coming you know when you can smell rain you can smell economic prosperity (laughs) and you can just see it coming so i knew that the year was going to be good but i didn't think it was going to be this hectic when you talk to a lot of people they'll tell you man january went by it was uh there was just so much work Mm. and normally that's a good sign and so i hope this momentum continues and we can carry it through even as we go through elections and all of that so thank the lord
0: so today we are going to dwell on uh, the aspect of entrepreneurship where entrepreneurs are so deeply passionate about their product or their service Mm -hmm. and how this does influence their decision making process and uh, particularly in terms of prioritizing futures and strategies what happened just the other day uh, disgruntled member of my team Mm -hmm. wrote to me Mm -hmm. and uh, sent me a line that Mm -hmm. I've tried to internalize Mm -hmm. to understand what she meant. Mm -hmm. She could be right, she could be wrong, maybe you could help me Mm -hmm. uh, through your lenses. She said "Uh, Jesse, I think you are too passionate about the business that you forget the business side of it.
1: Wow. And, and how did that make you feel? I know this sounds like a, um, a, a psychiatrist that shrinks the couch, <laughs> but how did it make you feel, Jesse?
0: Well, one, I, I almost became defensive. Mm-hmm. But I said, I'm going to cue through this statement to mm-hmm. identify what it really means, to be passionate about the business mm-hmm. and forget the business wow. side of the
1: business. And so, and so you felt, initially you felt defensive, but do you think she had some truth in it?
0: Uh, well, we were fighting, Mm -hmm. uh, about deliverables. Uh
1: (laughs) And, and, and so she felt that what you were focused more on, you were not focused on the deliverables or you were focused too much. on. That's
0: her interpretation. That's why I said she could be right. She could be wrong. Okay. But, uh, I think she was trying to, to defend her way of doing things
1: which is standard. Mm. And so now interesting thing, let's actually before we 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 hit record or we hit on for this episode, before we came on a or before we even started, I told you about an experience I had witnessing live the difference between a method leader mm. and a results oriented leader. And it was so clear so clear now the method leader for him and i'm gonna come to this because it's linked to this passion aspect right Mm. and i think most passion passion most entrepreneurs who are overwhelmed by the passion of their business (laughs) are method leaders because they care so much about the process and that actually becomes to that detriment. On the flip side, the extreme element where someone is like, we're just focusing on results and they don't even care how you get it done, also need a check, but we'll come to that. Now, no. this, this experience I had this week, um, I have a, a colleague I'm working with and we have a team, but one of the members of the team who's on the ground is even is one of the shareholders in the project, right? He has an actual interest. Now, the method leader, My colleague is very fixated on the idea that he needs to tell this guy on the field what to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And he's fixated on X and Y and Z. Now, his defense is that he knows this guy because he's the one who brought him in. And so I'm meeting people who have known each other for some time, right? He says, I know this guy. He needs to be followed up on. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving this as an example and we'll tie it to passion later. But this method leader, he's so, I'm telling you, it's crazy. He will say, like, so there was one, one element today where a client had called the day before and the client had said, I want to pay for a service. Come by my office. Now, this third individual who was supposed to be on the ground doing the sales and and the business development Mm. spends the whole day going to meet new clients and doesn't go to that individual according to the way he explained it. But I'll come to how eventually what we found out. And that drove the method leader crazy. He's like... What kind of person does focuses on the five birds in the bush and doesn't focus on the one bird in the hand? That was his logic. Mm. And it made sense. So he's like, you need to make sure that when you go out there, you prioritize this and you do this and you do that. And he's focusing more on the, res- on the process. Now, what ends up happening is that the, 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 per- the recipient of this scolding and this lecture says, but you don't know what happens on the ground. The guy's like, no, 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 no. For me, it's common sense. If someone wants to give you business, you go and start there. You don't start. And again, I'm sure life is listening to this. are like, yeah, that makes sense. But then wait for this last line. The guy's like, I told you I didn't go there. What I simply meant was I didn't have the meeting. I went and found that he was not there. I even called before, on my way there. I called and they told me that the individual I was supposed to meet was not available. I called the individual, they, they cut my call, and then they sent me a text and said, I'm not available today, let's talk on Monday. Now the method leader for him is like, no, no, no no no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. So what I'm just trying to say is that you find that extreme version where someone wants to control the process without context. And unfortunately, most people who are driven by passion when it comes to running their businesses, for victim to being method leaders. Yeah. In what sense? Because you are passionate, you're actually a technician. You, you're, you, because I've never seen anybody who's passionate about something who doesn't actually get into the technical aspects of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So they f- go, fall in love with the technical aspect of the business. Those individuals can never, unless they, have, they are mature and they've spent a lot of time, but majority of them fall into that trap of, I know what needs to be done. And I know how it needs to be done. And so they become these micromanagers on process. And they get so fixated with that and they forget about the output. Now, coming back to you. And my guy, I'm sorry if I've picked violence. But it's like No, it's
0: okay. It's a good conversation to have.
1: And so in this context, that's why that person accused. Again, I don't know the details. But because I know who you are and I know the kind of work that you're doing. Jesse, we talked about it during the week when we're talking about, um, when we did the Kigali in the Morning with Belize, we talked about how we, okay, let me not talk about myself, it's about you at this (laughs) juncture, how you love radio broadcasting, you just love it. It's something you can do for free. You're passionate about it. What that simply means is that you love this. You know what it means to sit behind the mic and do a job. And you know everything because of your experience, everything around radio and broadcasting. So because of that passion and the, and the knowledge that you have around the process, there's a risk that when it comes to how you structure and design the workflow, your relationship with your, your, your team, the deliverables, as you mentioned, how they're set, you are so fixated on, on certain aspects. And that's why even if we talk about results-oriented leaders versus method, method leaders, I would argue and say that on to one degree, you're probably a results-oriented leader, no? Mm-hmm. But I also believe that there's also an aspect where you go into the method. Now, you cannot be one or the other. You have to be a weird mix of the, of the two, and that's where the game is. You have, to be, you have to know the process enough to know what to expect of your team. And then hold them accountable to it, and not just say, "Oh, as long as you perform, I'm fine, fine with that." Remote working, not the remote working like where you get a job when you're in Rwanda and then somebody, it's a company in the US. I'm talking of like the old school remote working where you would, you would, an organisation would allow you to work from home, right? Remote working in that context, during COVID, it went went up, it 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 rose because of just the realities of 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 the lockdowns, right? Mm-hmm. But when you now track back and now people were looking at maybe this can work you know it's about results it's about results you remember that that conversation came up mm-hmm. but why are we still going to offices it's because we realize that meth- there is no method without results and there's no results without method mm-hmm. and so it's you can't just say ah, people figure out figure out that method we let's just focus on the results so i say this because Sometimes, as entrepreneurs, because we get so fixated, we are so passionate about what we do, we get so bogged down with the process because we're because of the passion we become technicians, then we get so bogged down with the process. And then, in that single minded focus, we tend to to create these barriers to progress within our own organizations.
0: Let me uh use another example, which is quite far away from broadcasting. Mm -hmm. So, in my other business, which is a spa saloon, Mm -hmm. I hire this employee mm-hmm. uh, normally the way of business which I have learned for this market is for a hair technician you have to pay them an advance mm-hmm. uh, so this person takes an advance of about $15,000 mm-hmm. and uh,
1: wait, I need to be a hair technician he so
0: says <laughs> he he wants to start work in January gave me a date mm-hmm. but then Never turned up to the job
2: mm-hmm.
0: now in the contract he was supposed to return a certain amount of money per month mm-hmm. of that advance
1: have you have you already paid you had already paid him the advance?
0: Yes mm-hmm. it's put on the account he doesn't report on the job but in the meantime he starts to deposit the expected amount of money without <laughs> necessarily
1: coming to the salon
0: coming to work
1: that's crazy.
0: Now where you have a method and their results, results yeah. how do you mingle in that's between the two
1: No that's okay I know this is your business and I <laughs> want to put it out there but how are you how what how are you what are your thoughts okay so in, in, initially when you started seeing the deposits come what was your initial reaction
0: I tried to look for him he doesn't pick up
1: but the money still comes and
0: back. says but I'm putting back the money but I want to build a business
1: so what did he do? So he took your money.
0: I don't know what, what he could be trading you don't to get know. profit. Maybe he's out of the country. I assume he's in the DRC.
1: Wow. That is crazy. At least you're still getting your money back. <laughs> I, so, okay, let me let me get serious. Um <laughs> This is crazy. Uh, so life is, you can hear... Like what? Like I, I don't know. You can make the stuff up. It, it sounds like a movie. Mm. By the way, kudos to the guy for paying you back the <laughs> money. Like, kudos to him, by the way. But on because people don't pay. Mm. But for him, okay. Let's talk about now method, method and results. Right? Process. Do you focus on the, on the way, on the on the how, or you focus on what you get out of it? Right. I would say. In such a case. As far as I'm concerned, that individual is not going to come and work for your business. It doesn't look like he will. Yeah. So in that context, there is no there is no conversation on method because you need proximity for method to work, right? Mm-hmm. In this context, the fact that you're just getting your money back, it, for me, I consider it a recovery on on a bad debt or an advance payment. So bad debt. In this context, you prepaid for something, so someone owes you money, and now that it, it could turn into a bad debt because it's a debt owed mm-hmm. to your company. So, them paying it back, there's no interest. So, so the, the certain amount of money he's supposed to deposit per week, and this is a question to you, Mr. Uncle Prosperity, is do the, the amount he's supposed to pay back, is there an interest on it?
0: Well, he's not supposed to pay an interest on the money, however, I expect that he is in the business and making money. money, generating money from which I remove that money, that money. Yeah, and so also should have a surplus on what he has made.
1: So it's a minimum. Mm. So you're currently at a loss. of course. Okay, so I I think in that in that context, that one is has nothing to do with method and result. The result in this case is the recovery. I would say that, in such a context, in such a situation, don't view it as what we're discussing here about method and what in relation to your business. This one is simply a bad debt that God has allowed you to recover by the grace of God. You have you have been able to recover it, and that's how you should. Without
0: feel. so much assurance, if all of it will come
1: this is better than nothing bro mm. like I, I'm telling you, you you wow by the way this is such a unique case study okay I call it unique you find this is common but for me I've never heard of such a situation where someone is so trustworthy and untrustworthy at the same time <laughs> no like, what do you know this is such a like this is a paradox it's a it needs to be studied on how oxymoronish it is someone is so untrustworthy that he doesn't show up but he's trustworthy to the point where he's like I need to honor my obligation, but I by not honoring it.
0: No, I, I think maybe being cautious that yeah. he could be caught outside of the law yeah. because its breach of contract, and then says, the minimum I can do is to buy time and pay a deposit
1: back of what I'm supposed to pay so you, so so do you believe that this individual is trustworthy or untrustworthy? Well, uncouth. Okay, that's the third option you have added. <laughs> but I've asked a simple question. Trustworthy or untrustworthy? Untrustworthy. But they're paying back the money.
0: Like, there's no guarantee that they'll maybe make a third installment but or a fourth installment. But is there any
1: obligation to pay it back? Like, honestly, to say that the law is your your guard, I mean, there's only so much the law can do when it comes to making someone pay back money. Hmm. All they can do is just make sure that you get justice, but it doesn't guarantee uh, your your money, recovery of your investment. So the question I'm asking is, do you think that person is trustworthy or untrustworthy? You believe they're untrustworthy?
0: Yeah, by nature of character, not to show up after committing to, and they desperately did the opportunity. That's crazy. So anyway,
1: we have really digressed, but I think for me, I'll repeat this. It's really crazy, by the way. I'm still in shock here. But... If you could see my face life as you would understand. I'm really in shock. But I think it's something to look at when even... let's Okay, now let's go back to now method and results, right? I've mentioned when it comes to onboarding talent, sometimes we tend to get a bit complacent in, with that process. Mm. And I would advise anybody in such a context, if you're giving advances to people, They have to be these guarantees to protect yourself. And I know hair technicians are rare. That's why they're paid so much money because they come with a a huge client base. Mm -hmm. They're an asset. It's like buying an existing business with goodwill, right? But you need to make sure that you are safe and covered. You know, there's a book called Smart Trust by the son of Stephen Covey. Mm -hmm. Stephen Covey is the guy who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So his son wrote a book called Smart Trust. And in that book, the premise of the book is trust but verify you cannot go and just blindly be like oh he's my homie he's got my back no like for me one simple thing i do if i'm going to lend a friend money i'm like okay i'm giving you this money when am i getting it back how am i going to get it back what are you expecting to get how are you expecting to get this money back and by what period just that element is just verifying that this person has the capacity to pay me back Sometimes I even give the money when I know that this money might not come back.
0: Our next session is going to be a little shorter because we have taken so much time on this. Really? It's a case study for yeah. Ephraim. Maybe he'll come back with a uh, you know with some undertaking of what uh, we pull out of it mm. when the storm finally Caesars
1: mm, with trust and trust
0: this is Living Entrepreneurship by Sauti. my name is Jesse the African son I'm your host together with A-frame let's take a break we should be back shortly
1: but that really happened
0: <laughs> okay. welcome back to our episode this weekend we are focusing on entrepreneurs who are deeply passionate about their product or service Ephraim how does this influence the passion about the product how does it influence when you're so passionate about your business your decision making process in particular when it comes to prioritizing futures and strategies
1: okay so I see you want us to get back to the technical aspects of it but um
0: we're going to use really less time because, mm. yes. okay,
1: I get, I get, let me get straight to the point quickly. We tend to have this thing where we are um, fixated on, we have what we love. Let me put it like that. Jesse, you have what you love. I have what I love. I have, I love what I, I there are things in my business that I like to focus on. So you find that. In business, you're always going to have to prioritize. Actually, the, the, the number one job of an entrepreneur is prioritization. Mm. Actually, the number one job of any human being is prioritization. So you have to, because we never have enough resources to do what we need to do, we are always having to decide which one is more important than the other. And so you find whenever you have a passion, if you have not addressed that bias, there is a... 99.99% chance that you're going to make a very biased decision in favor of your passion mm-hmm. or whatever you love. And so you find in that context an entrepreneur who thinks that everybody loves Ed Sheeran music is going to make sure that um, the music that plays in the office or in the lobby or whatever, I'm just giving this an example, on that website or the way they structure it caters to people like him who likes who like Ed Sheeran stuff and so it's the same thing like you find even when we start businesses we assume so most entrepreneurs create a business out of their own need not a, a market need mm-hmm. so someone will be like hey man if i could have someone if i could have a product wait for it if i could have a product or a phone that could call file my taxes and cook lunch for me ah, that would be a fantastic phone They'll be like, hey, I need to go and work and, and design that phone. They dedicate their whole life to trying to solve that phone, thinking that other people also want the same phone. And then they get they get five years down the line, they get to a point where they realize, actually, it's only them that wanted it. And they made that decision out of emotion. Here's a simple example. Jesse, have you ever gone to a restaurant or ordered food online when you're hungry? Have you ever? Mm. Online? Online or at a restaurant, or have you ever gone shopping when you're hungry?
0: Well, I don't have a memory of uh, it.
1: Now, let me tell you the common practice, and just be observant next time you go. There's a weird thing. Whenever we, you're hungry and you, you place orders for food, if you have access excess money, like you're not working on a budget, 90% of the time, you're going to go and buy more than you need. Mm-hmm because it's an emotional you're driven by hunger. You're driven it's like how someone who has grown up in poverty and then you give him a lot of money today huh, that guy's gonna make weird decisions. gonna go and build, buy a house he doesn't need, buy cars like seven cars that he doesn't need. You only need, technically need like one car and maybe like a second car just in case the first one has issues. But if you bought the first one brand new, just service it, you'll be good. Mm. And you don't even need a, the difference between a, a, a $300,000 car and a $100,000 car is literally nothing, just from a few perks. And so what I'm just trying to say is this, the same thing happens in business. Our passions can bias our decisions. It's a fact. And so you need to be aware of those biases brought on by your passions. By
0: biases, you mean blind sports?
1: Definitely. Because mm. you are driven by emotion. You know, you need to make emotionless decisions as an entrepreneur. So fa- most of the time, be passionate about something, but remove emotions. Remove that passion from the decision-making process.
0: It reminded me of uh, one uh, broadcast house owner who used to call the radio, whose target was for teenagers really mm-hmm. young people and then he would call when he was in the bar mm-hmm. and he would ask my friends are together with me in the bar and they were wondering why aren't you playing some kanda bongman mm-hmm. music <laughs> i say, so uh, they saw the target audience like mm. just play kanda bongman so while they were doing like a hot 10 songs of the day it was just throw- like new songs mm. and then that's the time he was listening to the radio he calls and says just put the oldies
1: kanda bongman uh. And he had, he that was his passion for music. Mm. But then it led to him prioritizing his own interests over the interests of his target audience. And I'm sure, is the broadcast house still in business? Well, struggling. Like, like, as expected. Like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not as surprised as when I found out that you had a trustworthy slash untrustworthy uh, potential hair technician. Like that that story has still shocked me. I'm sorry to bring it back, but what? How, huh? What? What?
0: Okay, uh, in the interest of time, yes, sir. you speak about those who are passionate and how they could err you know, in running business because they are not, uh, what's the right word to use? Uh, they're making decisions based on, the, on feelings uh, and things that they want to see that make them happy mm-hmm. about owning or running the business mm-hmm. and not being objective. Mm-hmm. Now... Uh, what does that place, for instance, company policies, mm-hmm. where you say, this is how it is done. This is how we make bookings in the system. Mm-hmm. This is how we attend to our customers, mm-hmm. our tradition, our culture as a company. Because I know mm-hmm. in building a company, you want to build a culture around it on how things
1: should be done. Wow. I feel like you've put the weight of the world on my shoulders at this juncture because I feel like what I say, I don't know. I don't know how many people listen to this podcast, but, or this broadcast, but if I answer this the wrong way, (laughs) actually, this is an exam. I can won't get your next consultancy. (laughs) No, it's not even about that. I might actually (laughs) set a precedent or a culture that is very toxic. Mm. Lord Jesus, grant me the grace. Now, um, so I talked about balance. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that you need to innovate, but on a foundation. Again, this method leader that I was telling you about with this individual, the recipient of the scalding, he, our, our fellow partner, right? Mm-hmm. You could see at the heart of it was this guy who's used to being on the ground is like, but that's not how we do things. And this senior guy is like, but you need to style up. And unfortunately in the past, results were gotten from the old methodology. The question then comes in is, is the old methodology wrong? Mm. Is it redundant for us to feel the need to innovate? And are we gonna wait for the old methodology to become redundant for us to decide that we're gonna innovate? Won't it be too late? Mm. And those are some really tough questions. Now I've said a bunch of questions, bookmark that part, and keep re-listening to it, because those are the questions that are gonna help you figure it out. I don't have an answer because there's no one size fits all for this. Mm -hmm. The only reality is simple. Go and figure out a balance. What is that balance? You're saying, we need structure. We have done things the old way and they have worked. But what can we do better? I've talked on 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 this show and on this podcast about Kaizen. It's a Japanese philosophy. That, that had made them become what they became. Mm. And at the heart of Kazan, what Kaizen simply is, is continuous improvement. Mm. Just always try to become better. Compete with the version of yourself yesterday. Am I doing something better? Ephraim, right now in this podcast, on the last episode, did I enunciate words better? Did I, was I more articulate? Did I simplify things more than, than I did, than I normally do? Did I... Did Jesse and I engage? I'm always trying to reiterate. Doesn't mean that there's something wrong. Doesn't mean that the old way is wrong. So what I'm trying to say is that when you foster culture in an organization as a leader, tell people there's nothing wrong with the old methodology. We find comfort in it, but we need to be better. We can always be better.
0: In that instance of uh, a new onboarded colleague, Mm -hmm. Uh, what should be the straightforward communication that you can bring in your ways from wherever you're coming from?
1: Uh, I believe when you onboard somebody, you're bringing them for something. Mm. So if you're bringing somebody because of their experience, let them come with something that they can add. If you're bringing somebody in for that freshness, let them become innovative. Let, don't, if they're coming from a toxic organization, but you feel like this is a talented person who didn't get a chance to thrive in that environment, tell them, my dear. However you did things in that organization, forget about it. We have a ways our ways of doing things here, but we are open to learn. Now, there's a conversation I was having with a young friend of mine, um, and she was talking about. So we saw a, a reel where people were talking about how Gen Z, how Gen Z people complaining that Gen Z are hard to work with. Mm. And then this Gen Z was like, actually, no, we millennials or the older generation are harder to work for. And they talk about how it's mainly the old guards who are gatekeepers and are refusing to to kind of shift with times. Mm -hmm. And so I had this conversation with this friend and we're talking about it. And she's like, yeah, actually, I feel that way. My bosses are so fixated on old methodology. And I'm like, we need to style up. And so what I what we derived from the conversation as we went on and we talked about it. And by the way, it was a very long conversation, maybe about four hours of face, a face-to-face meet. And for an entrepreneur, it's hard to find that time. But it was such an engaging conversation on this point because it was so interesting. We concluded that as a young person, a new on, newly onboarded person, for your, your first job is to sit and observe. There's a saying, I don't know if, I think it's African, that only a fool enters a room and starts talking. Mm-hmm so take a step and observe. Because whatever you think you're bringing to the table, you might find that it has already been suggested and is a reason why it's not working. Mm-hmm. So instead of you trying to bring new things that people have already talked about and have failed, study why that thing hasn't failed and why you think it's so important and try to find a walk around why that obstacle that prevented it from being established in the first place. That is it. That is it.
0: So the Gen Z are the kind of uh, you know team members who would... Let me just take an example to just talk okay. about a bank, mm-hmm. which brands itself as a blue bank. Mm-hmm. And then there's another bank that brands itself as a green bank. Mm-hmm. So when a Gen Z comes to work, they would prefer that these colors are mixed. Mm-hmm. And so they want to <laughs> to position the bank as a mix of bl- blue and green. Mm-hmm. And they call that being innovative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that uh, they are... The millennials (laughs) are thinking the old way because they don't want to change to flip.
1: But do you know that the positioning of the brand? But do you know that it all comes down to I was about to say interest, but I think I'll be I'll be doing this conversation a disservice. And I think to the Gen Zs that are listening to this, you can tell from this conversation that Jesse and I are not with you in terms of age. Uh, we are slightly older <laughs> than you um, or even slightly significantly older than you. But I would say that interesting thing I've noticed about the way Gen Z's view innovation. They view innovation for innovation's sake. It's its like a rebellious innovation. Yeah. They rebel because they have to do it differently. It's not because it's necessary or it's functional. They just want to do it. Like It needs to be different. Why? No, because... This, we, it's modern times. Okay, we understand modern times. We have to move with the times. But why exactly do we need to make these changes the way you say we need to make them? Because there's a real-life cost and implication to it.
0: Basically, you're saying they, they want innovation without reason.
1: They just want to innovate for innovation's sake.
0: To so, be fun, to be doing something.
1: I, I didn't say it. You said it. <laughs> and I know Gen Z's are going to take off my head for this, those that are listening. But I, I noticed there's one big organization and... I saw them set up a TikTok account and they're doing all these trends. And it's a big company in Rwanda. But the people behind it, you can see they're just doing... They have a TikTok account and they're they're doing all this. They could produce better content because they have the budget. But they want to do... They brought that innovation for innovation's sake. This is a global brand. So if these people wanted to be serious with TikTok and use it the way it should be used they could do significantly more than just doing uh, challenges, you know? I mean, and it's not like even the content gets all that attention because it's it's misplaced. But the Gen Z who, or the Gen Z folk who went into that mix, went and convinced these people that we need a TikTok account. Why? Because we need a TikTok account. Without a strategy, without a plan, and without we did justification. And yeah, we need to jump Yeah, we need to move with the times, man. You know, it's TikTok. And you're like, but what's the strategy? Why? And so that's it. Like, I, I feel like I've, I've, come for the gen, I've come for Gen Zs, and I love them, and I have many friends who are, but I'm like, guys, if we're going to innovate, we need to innovate with sense, yeah? We need to have a mouth.
0: This is Living Entrepreneurship by Salty hosted by your story, Jesse, the African son. I am with Ephraim Romanga here. Our today's conversation is when entrepreneurs are deeply so passionate about their product or service, how does this influence their decision making process? Ephraim has brought too much insight, and I hope that you get learned from our examples here in how we do business. And maybe if you can just slide into a DM and uh, share with us what's happening with you in your different areas of doing business, you can also challenge. You know, our thoughts and how we do things, and together we can get learned. Ephraim, quickly, if you could share our social handles and how people can access this podcast.
1: Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, we are exclusive to Royal FM. Uh, we are broadcasted every Saturday at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you can also catch, catch us on Sundays. I don't know if it's... If it's 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Um, now, that's exclusive, but you can also catch us on social media. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. We're at Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. On our social medias, we have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have YouTube, uh, we have Facebook. That's at Salty Africa, S-A-L-T-E-E, Africa. Hmm. The whole point of this is to create a, a, a learning platform for, for you lifers, the people who wake up every day to go grind it out as entrepreneurs. Or those who are thinking about doing so. That's the whole point of this. So look for the content. It's designed for you.
0: And until next weekend, when we will bring to you another episode, God bless you. Bye-bye.